welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan, and we're here for what can only be described as our busiest episode yet. I'm joined by Owner Reardon, Jonathan Marcy, and Kevin O'Carroll. Hello, Uh-oh. everyone. Oh, oh, hello, everyone, but own. Hello to you. It's been a long time. <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, the warm welcome is massively and greatly appreciated, sir. And with less aplomb, hello, Kevin and Jonathan. Hi, Liam. How you doing, mate? Fucking I'm flying it. I'm. My therapist told me to never do what he called a four-seater podcast. But here we are. <laughs> Am I just all fucking news already? I only came back <laughs> like last week. Yeah. And now it's just all Owen's the new shiny one in the room. Would, if, if we'd done another episode without Owen, it would still be like amazingly exciting. But then Owen is back in this one. So yeah, it's like you're, when someone new starts in work and you're no longer the new someone or the new person or something like that. Do you know what I mean, Marcy? Does that make you feel better? No, not really. <laughs> but that's okay. Go on. What is everyone playing? <laughs> <laughs> Four of us talking. I'm going to take volunteers. I don't want to. I don't want to throw it on anyone. Oh. Go on. Actually, no. Forget that. Own. Welcome back. You go first. Uh, I'm not playing anything, man. Nice. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been one of those periods. I'm waiting for a couple of things. Um, what are we? We're December eighth, recording this podcast. So a look behind the curtain. You know, this might actually release in a few months from now. And I'm waiting for Final Fantasy Crisis Core, which is out on the 13th. Yes. I did play that on the PSP 15 years ago, and I adored it. Mm. So I'm looking forward to playing that over the Christmas period. Whether or not I play it on Stinky Switch or a beautiful PS5, that is to be determined. And then um, I head back to Ireland Friday of next week, so I won't have my PlayStation with me. So I'm waiting until I get back in the new year to dive into Callisto Protocol, which I haven't had the opportunity Ooh. to play yet. Are, are you trepidatious with the kind of iffy reviews? Or are you excited? No, it's one of those things, you, you know, I think the the real gaming, you know, critical eye in a lot of the big uh, websites these days, I just don't trust it anymore. Um, you know, I've taken the route of, I find my people that um, I'm, very aligned in terms of my own opinion and a lot of those people youtubers um influencers um as we all are obviously on this podcast as well um are saying it's getting judged incredibly harshly um and that they're having a lot of fun with it it sounds like actually a lot of the criticism of it are against the player's skill level and that if you're actually good at gaming, wow. it's it's quite enjoyable. Oh my god, are you Ooh. doing the fucking from software Dark Souls get good? I think he is, yeah. Is that what it is? Pick well, one yeah. up on, on the get good counter there. Exactly. Uh but I'll report back in January or February when I probably will rejoin the podcast again after a short little break. Um and I will report back on those games. But yeah, a lot to look forward to, Liam. Um yeah, but sure. I just couldn't really dive into anything as late. Actually, I tried to dive into Final Fantasy Ten. Um, but uh, just kind of, you know, confirmed that it's not actually very good. And oh. the rose-tinted glasses um, were on. Um, and you know what? I actually paid full retail price for it, so I'm kind of pissed. Oh, goodness. Well, you should be paying full retail pr- price for a PS2 again, but I actually, like, don't know if I can look at you for the rest of this episode. I love Final Fantasy X, man. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Liam, yeah. look, look at me. Uh, you're very pretty. You should do an episode on the Final Fantasy games, Liam. I, 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 I'd like to... <laughs> I'd like to. 
Good idea. <laughs> I, was just, yeah. I was about to say, I rather did one, but I'd like to do <laughs> more. Rank them or something. Yeah, I know, cool. ranking done, but that's only a little snippet. I'd love to do a, a more um, in-depth one. Um, <laughs> Kevin, what are you playing at the moment? Are you still playing the God of War, perhaps? Yeah, still working my way through um, Dad of Boy, Rub It Up. Mm-hmm. It is fucking great, but I only yeah. get to play it for about 40 minutes every other day. So uh, I, I'd like to say that I'm savoring it, but it's more that just like boring real world stuff is getting in the way like keeping a job and maintaining human relationships Boo. Um, but once i once i give up on both of those things that's just gonna be all god of war all day Excellent. Yeah, uh, kev are you okay because just the way you phrase that you know keeping a job and maintaining relationships like don't, don't give up oh yeah, we don't okay. know, we don't know we don't have enough time to get into all of that. We'll just keep it to video games for now. No, no, we do have enough time. Open your heart, and I'll, I'm going to edit it all out. Though. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the listen for is in the podcast name, Kevin. <laughs> hey, John, what are you playing? Uh, I am playing Skyrim. Uh, again, I saw you post that. Uh, I, saw you po- I, I thought it was scenery for a second because I'm a dumbass. No, <laughs> wow, that shows you how good the mods well, are. Well, now, I knew you'd been can... in Berlin recently, and Berlin and Skyrim are the exactly Ident- the same. Identical, in my head. yeah, yeah. Both for the too many Germans. Um, but uh, no, yeah, I just had a bit of extra time, and I was like, a big list of things I wanted to play. I actually made a big long uh, Google Notes list of all the games in my like back catalog to play, and I was like, fuck that, let's go play Skyrim instead. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing a bunch of that. Uh, on the PS5, uh, I also I paid for it again, um, and I decided to work out how much I've paid or how many times I've paid for Skyrim. And that's the, that the fifth, the fifth time. Fifth. <laughs> yeah. Name them, run them, yeah. run them through. Go on. Uh, the original uh, Steam version, uh, and then I bought for the PS3, and then I bought for the Switch, and then I bought the special edition, and then I had to pay an extra twenty quid to upgrade to the anniversary edition. Um, so five. Five copies, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm playing. I'm loving it. So leave me alone. Are you playing it on your Steam Deck, Marcy? No, PS5, but I do have it on Steam Deck as well. Um, uh, even though they're not cross-save at all. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's good on Steam Deck. It, it definitely works. Um, it's just, you know, the PS5, you know, 4K, 60 frames, all that kind of shiny shit. Um, and it's a 2011 game, so it does look a bit rough, so it, it definitely helps. But Well, I thought it was um, real yeah. scenery on your on Instagram. Or I, whatever that's it was, mad so. now if you actually think that. <laughs> I think I know the exact... Did you really? When I, no, no, when I clicked into it, I was like, that's Skyrim. <laughs> just, for, just for a moment, so I was like... <laughs> was it the dragon that gave it away? It's like the Berlin Wall. The famous Jarl of Berlin. What about you, Liam? I've brought, I've brought a big um, negative energy to the last episode with a big rant against, King, against Kingdom Hearts, saying that I just didn't vibe with that certain brand of Japanese-ness. So I'm wearing my hypocritical pants now because I'm playing uh, Danganronpa 3, Goodbye Despair, or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> like the third Danganronpa game. Because I just I needed something to play f- until big Christmas games come out and um, teenagers die in it. I thought, the, <laughs> I thought the start of it was too long, but when the first teenager died, I went, I didn't think... It would be that teenager. So the game is working for me. <laughs> it's working for me so far. And that's about all I got. But enough of dead teenagers for once. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> if you've just tuned into the podcast for the first time. <laughs> it's your first episode. Like I said, we were kind of... I I've thoroughly enjoyed our last episode, but we were a bunch of negative Nancys. Kev just destroyed an entire genre he just went he just just went for it so this week's topic is something much more positive much more positive i we're each choosing our favorite moment in gaming or just a favorite moment in gaming i should say rather than like 
well, are you, are you are any of you choosing like your number one? Have you like a, a list? No, exactly. Like a a favorite moment moment in gaming, and we didn't discuss it. We don't know what each of us are going to talk about, and we don't know is it a cinematic, is it a gameplay moment, is it a whole entire set piece or sequence. So I think it'll be fun for hopefully the listeners, but you know, I think it'll be fun for me to just find out what everyone's doing. And you know what the most fun part is? I've gone to easydecisionmaker.com on my phone here. Okay? Oh, Jesus. Now, you can find this on a website called google.com. <laughs> Just type it in. And I put all our little names into it. So rather than me, like, you know, hey, you go first here, I'm going to make the phone choose. And I think this might be the best thing I've done for the podcast so far. I think it's the funnest thing. I think I think listeners right now are smiling. Fun, the funnest thing. Wow, the most fun you. thing. They're on the bus. They're smiling. They're going like, who's it going to be? We don't know either. Okay, you ready? Favorite moment in it's gaming. You. Favorite yes. moment in gaming. He's putting Kev. his own name four times. Oh, no, no, I wasn't doing a bit where I was choosing myself. I genuinely chose you, Kev. So fire okay. away, my friend. Perfect. So it's good that you mentioned a moment ago about the whole sort of uh, listen being the keyword in the name of the podcast. Because my chosen moment is... Basically, it's like a post-credit scene of an incredibly middling video game. So to make it all make sense, I'm going to need you to come on a bit of a journey with me for a minute here. Fucking do it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be incredibly sincere and genuine for only about 30 seconds. Don't worry. Oh, God. (laughs) Then I'm going to slag off basically the entire game. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end, I'm going to explain why it made me cry and why it's one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a journey. Angry Birds. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I hate level 55. <laughs> um, so as as Liam may know, and I'm sure the rest of you will pick up pretty quick, I am what some would call a weird little dude. I am I'm incredibly anxious and awkward all the fucking time. I don't make friends very easily. And when I do, I kind of latch on like some sort of social mollusk. And <laughs> I have a really hard time keeping in touch with people then if I don't see them in person for a long time. Um, I kind of convinced myself that reaching out to them would be disturbing them in some way, so I just don't. So as a result of all of this, friendship narratives really resonate with me. Like, uh, Liam, I know this is a favorite of yours, but that bit at the end of Return of the King, where the hobbits go to bow to Aragorn, and he's like, my friends, you bow to no one. Got that's me a, good. That's a favorite of everyone yeah. in the whole world, yeah. I hope. Yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So or, um... You know, the the ending of Klaus, where he's like, uh, every year I get to see my friend. I'd be weeping like a fucking baby. Sick reference. That deserves to be a Christmas classic. I love <laughs> that film. Yeah. yeah. The, the famous Norm MacDonald vehicle. He's right. Exactly. Um, so, basically, the game that I've chosen, or the moment that the game is, the game is from, is basically like Male Friendship Simulator, the video game but is known more commonly as Final Fantasy XV. Oh! Okay! Ah, very good. So, so like I said, I'm going to have to run quickly through what the game is for this moment to make sense. So, uh, in Final Fantasy XV, you play as Noctis, who is the crown prince of Magic Bullshit Land, and has been engaged to the princess of the neighboring Magic Bullshit-opolis as part of some kind of peace treaty. And the game, basically, the, the, the pretense of the whole thing is that you're going on this uh, road trip with three of your best mates to go get to the wedding. And it's just the four of you in this convertible, hitting the road, you exploring this open world map, the car breaks down, you meet wacky Final Fantasy NPCs, hijinks ensue. You eventually get to the port where you're supposed to be setting off on the boat over to Magic Bullshitopolis. And um, 
you go to bed for the night before you're supposed to get on your boat and then bam the plot happens which brings us to my first issue with Final Fantasy 15 which is basically Square Enix took a big swing on it and they wanted to make this not just a video game this was going to be a multimedia experience right so there is a tie-in anime that like explains the background and the ba- the backstories Starting, of the characters. Uh, Breaking Bad's Aaron Paul, I'll have you know. Oh, Actually, wow. that is the tie-in CGI movie. There was two tie-ins. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's and that's where the issue is because the sort of the inciting incident for the plot for the entire game takes place not in the game but in that movie. Yeah. That's right. The content of that movie happens while your characters in the game are asleep. Ah, <laughs> yeah. The best thing is in in the version of the game that myself and Liam would have played around launch. Um, you get a cutscene during that night that is basically like just the the trailer for this CGI movie. It's like a, a little highlight reel that Gosh. wasn't even on the disc. That's patched in on day one. Really? That's how confident Square Enix were that this fucking thing would be embraced as a multimedia experience. They were like, we don't even need to show them anything from this movie. Everyone who plays this game is going to see it. They're going to know what's up. Obviously, no one fucking watched it. Um, and those that did report that it's dog shit. But basically, the plot happens. The, the, the king gets dead. The, your home city gets kidnapped or invaded or whatever the fuck. And you have to go on this quest to collect the magical MacGuffin weapons of doom or whatever they're called. Um, and that's when the bit of the game that I fucking love really comes into its own. Cause like the plot happens and continues to happen in the way that final fantasy games often have plot through a lot of them. And um, it's often good. All right. But, I, um, I don't like it all this final fantasy stuff that's happening this episode. Just I, yeah, I, I promised this would be uplifting. Liam. <laughs> the only reason why I came back. This is why I said you got to come with me on the journey. Yeah, I'm, yeah, getting, yeah, I'm yeah. getting there. I'm getting yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, it's you and these three guys exploring around this uh, continent. Um, you're doing plot stuff. It's inconsequential. What really matters is just the bro down between these four dudes. You're driving around in your convertible. You're having conversations. You're listening to the soundtracks of old Final Fantasy games on CD in the car. It just has this atmosphere that's really like welcoming and engaging and pulls you in and it has this sort of mechanic to it that at the end of every in-game day you have to camp so it's just the four guys you pull into a campsite you're setting up your tent you have your shitty little folding chairs you make your fire one of the guys is like a photographer and at the end of every day he shows you like the photos that he's taken of you driving around that day one of the guys is a cook and he like makes food and you get stat bonuses off the food every time you do he like every time you unlock a new recipe he's like i've just got a new recipe and i love it every time perfect um Nailed it. That's good <laughs> um so basically like the plot just exists as a reason to find more things to do with these characters you spend more time with them you hang out with them and it's just great it just develops from there then unfortunately the plot continues to happen and you get into like the back third of the game where it becomes like narrow corridors and it's all very linear and uninspired and the plot gets weirder again um until it eventually leads to like a five-year time skip and brings you to sort of the finale of the whole thing 
where you are coming back to where it started. You're going back to magic bullshit land. Um, it's five years later. Like characters have been killed off. One of your dudes, it turns out, he's a mutant. Another guy gets like blinded. People are like physically beaten and bruised, psychologically tortured. The four of you all arrive back to the place where the game originally started. Um, you camp one last time there, and then you go into the city for like the final mission, which is basically like the suicide mission from Mass Effect 2, except with no chance of survival. So your guys get to work. They buy you time to go face the final Final Fantasy big boss. You win, but you die in the process. As for your team, you don't see what happens to them. It's kind of implied that they don't make it. If they do die in fitting Final Fantasy 15 fashion, it happens off screen. Um, you sort of, you save the day, you beat the boss, but your main character dies. Credits roll. Okay, you with me so far? Yeah. Final Fantasy 15, yeah. Final Fantasy 15, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then, <laughs> mid-credits, it cuts back to that last night of camping before the mission. And it's the four of them, like, absolutely beat to shit, sitting on those same old battered deck chairs around the fire. And, uh, and Noctis, the main guy, he's trying to, like, explain to the team how grateful he is that he's that they're coming with him for what they're all assuming will be you know to the death um and he kind of like he can't find the words to explain what he's trying to say because he's this emotionally stunted little guy and um he kind of he's standing up and he's crying a little bit and there's this close-up of his face and he just goes like you guys are the best and it cuts to black in the middle of the sentence and had me absolutely weeping like a child <laughs> it destroyed me and as soon as the topic came up for like favorite gaming moments i thought about that and got upset again <laughs> <laughs> so the best thing is is that when i finished final fantasy 15 i think we've mentioned this before liam um liam was actually like watching in not from the bushes outside as he does normally <laughs> but um he does, yeah. it was on the, the the like the share play function on the ps4 where someone else could I'll basically just oh, stream in cool. and watch watch you play. Yeah, another chance for me to bring up the fact that I was in a cast one time and I got to play a load of games and uh, that was what I was doing. I was I was banged up in bed and I was watching you play Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so so like I was watching this thing that was basically uh, like a narrative about friendship coming to the end and it was about, you know, sacrifice and, and the importance of the friendship between them. It's basically the same plot as like My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. But um <laughs> so i was watching this it got to this bit i got fucking upset um liam was watching in we weren't talking on voice chat we were like messaging on messenger and did i mention to liam that i was upset no because i too am an emotionally stunted little guy <laughs> um i thought it is worth saying that i did kind of undermine the sort of poignancy of the whole thing because the game also has this mechanic towards the end where it shows you the photos that th this character has taken Correct. throughout yeah. Yeah. and it asks you to pick one and obviously you're kind of supposed to pick one that's like resonant and, and poignant and has meaning. And then it'll show you that one at the end of the credits as kind of like a, like a little cherry on top of the whole thing. And I didn't really twig that it was going to do that. So the photo <laughs> that I picked is an extreme close up of a cup of pot noodle. <laughs> and literally because there was a fucking soulless tie-in, wasn't there, for pot noodle? It was literally yeah. a cup of yeah. pot noodle. Yeah. Just a just a fucking cash grab. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that um that is my gaming moment of choice. I appreciate you all coming to my TED talk. <laughs> what I, I remember about that moment, Kevin, was like, I think it's one of the best 
character moments in all of Final Fantasy history. But what kind of gave it more resonance is the fact that 15, you didn't think it had it in it. Yeah. It's yeah. way better than anything that came before. And like you said, and there was another bit after the credits as well, after that bit. And you just kind of wish it was like, no, leave it there. That's the perfect kind of sentiment to end it on. Yeah, it's a it's like I watched the scene again in preparation for this and got a bit upset all over again. I it's on YouTube. I'm hesitant to recommend the people watch it without the context because I think the beauty of it is that it's really like sparsely written. It's literally just three minutes of a guy not being able to finish one sentence and then getting a bit upset and then it cuts to black and that's it. But in context, it really fucking worked for me. My confession is that like I played true Final Fantasy. I put about 35 to 40 hours three or four years ago. And Kev, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of... Is it a game that just doesn't end? Like it's this massively extended... It sure feels that way in the the, the like the final stretch, the bit yes. that was on about the sort of linear corridor stuff. It yeah. goes at that on. point. I said, "I know I'm near the end, and I'm just going to watch a YouTube video on <laughs> how this video ends." Fair, yeah. yeah, probably fair. The, there is a stretch in that game that is absolute dog shit to play. Um, for me, the payoff is worth it at the end, but I don't think I would ever recommend another human being to invest the time into playing it. Ah, well, look, you just you highlighted it. Just, the the strength of of that game they didn't i don't know if they didn't realize what they have or the troubled Maybe, production yeah. of of, the, of that entire game is so well documented because uh, it was versus was it ver- versus 13 at some stage am i right yeah that? that was that was the original project yeah, when it was, when it was com- complete more. development hell and they probably realized it late in that game cycle of oh shit no actually this the the boy band road trip is yeah. because you're totally spot on in terms of all of the plot stuff you were i'm not joking you were fucking describing um leaving uh well i forget the name of the town that we fucking called out but with the first when you get in the car and then i just remember that first 10 to 12 hours of just completely plotless just doing nothing you know what i mean like yeah that's yeah. all i've only played about that much of it and that's all i remember of the game and now i feel like i don't need to play the rest of it he, well, Kev, Kev described the story he, he, in fucking two minutes. Like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, like, that's what that was about. Yeah, and I feel like you've summed up better, possibly, as well. So, Yeah, yeah if anything, I, I've saved you about 25 decent hours and about 15 poor ones. But um, <laughs> who, is your, who is your favorite uh, boy band member? Oh, it's going to be Ignis. I was about to say, surely there's only one answer. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Ignis, the sexy chef. The sexy chef? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Very good, Kev. Unreal. Um... I'm going to use the decision maker again, as okay? If it picks me again, do I have to come up with a different game? I, while, you were talk- <laughs> while you were talking, I deleted you from it. Oh, oh, wow. Don't worry, professionals, only professionals here. Yeah, it took him half an hour to get this uh, set up, but go on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, we, there's some things we don't reveal about the, the podcast. Owner Rudin, you are next. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm actually going to give you guys one guess. Oh, oh guess. God. Um, what does he like? The Last of Us. It, it, Uncharted. Is your favorite gaming moment ever or just a favorite moment? Um, this is my favorite gaming moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it, I mean, I don't want to spoil it before you guys. Well, Liam actually got it right. It is the last of us. Delighted, to be honest. <laughs> and that, that moment, our uh, that, that game has plenty of individual masterclass moments. Um, 
but you know Liam before the show I was asking you what the rules of this uh podcast were this particular episode because you know the I think the the prologue um as a moment because it's pretty much if my memory serves me correctly it's as close to being uncut in terms of a series of sequences um there is a couple of cuts but for the most part it is an extended um sequence um there is some time jumps but of course the last of us one i'm in that incredibly powerful prologue where you're playing as um sarah who is the daughter of one of two of the main protagonists of the video game um joel um and this is you know to kev kev's point of probably a different soul crushing and soul destroying um events that i often wake up in a cold sweat about um is you know this the... isn't uplifting at all <laughs> this isn't an uplifting episode at all i thought what it would be doing? but they're just going for the really sad moments which is fine we only said favorite moments yeah that was but, my assumption i i apologize <laughs> you know ultimately this you know this prologue ends with the unfortunate death of joel's daughter sarah but this prologue is just so incredible for a number of reasons, right? One, it's, it's uh, for me, it's one, of the, and I've probably said this on our exclusive Last of Us episode, but that scene in particular is the, the scene that I show people who aren't into video games to show yeah. that this is an art form um, that elevates the medium of video games. The, you know, it has the ability to actually make you care for digitized controllable um character um you know and part of the reasons why you know it hits home um you you know one gun control um you know because she gets shot so that's great um and zombies fucking love them (laughs) can't get enough of those zombies (laughs) but like it's just so incredibly powerful because from a narrative point of view like the master stroke is they could have done this entire prologue where you play as the protective father of Joel, mm. but like the impactful punch comes from the fact that you play as Sarah and you're seeing, uh, you know, what is the beginning of this for all intents and purposes, this zombie outbreak through the eyes of an innocent young girl who's strong in her own right. But there's a level of, you know, there's a level of, um, there's a level of innocence there that just makes you kind of fall in love with this child. And you don't necessarily know what's coming as well, because you don't think it's going to go there. Um, so watching everything unfold through Sarah's eyes and how they, you know, uh, kind of normalize, you know, the fact that this is just a normal country house, you know, there's, it feels like you're living in the real world, but then they bring this epic scale to the events that are occurring during this, you know, what for all intents and purposes is kind of like a quiet moment. Um, you know, it starts off with it's Joel's birthday and she gives Joel um, an old, she fixes up an old watch and then she goes to bed and then, you know, she's just looking for her dad, you know, and what ensues is just a crescendo and a building of just pure mayhem. Um, and there's just moments in this prologue, apart from, you know, that emotional punch of Sarah, um, being shot by a a soldier at the, at the end of the prologue of just, you know, things that we kind of got, you know, in, in 
games like Half-Life and Uncharted before it, but just how incredibly cinematic it was, you know, things that like just really just stick out in my memory as a, you know, this is almost kind of like a first, um, you know, things like going into Joel's room and the TV is on and you're watching what is a live broadcast and then you hear an explosion and then, you know, you, you can press the or tree button to look outside the window and you see the explosion in the distance and it gives this moment, this colossal scale from, you know, this tiny, tiny uh, insular or what seems like insular moment to, you know, Joe being missing and then bursting through the door, the door and like, oh my God, some something's up here. We got to leave. We got to, you know, get Tommy and leave. Um, and then it's, you know, one infected person who just crashes through um, the back door and how frightening that is, is just like a singular enemy to you guys then making your way downtown and this is where, you know, I think the power of, you know, a one shot is utilized to its max. The fact that, you know, you get into Tommy's car, you're passing and you're able to look around. And I love this ability. It's not a passive experience, right? It's not like you put the controller down um, like you would a lot of games, you know, like a Metal Gear Solid 4 where you put down the fucking controller for 90 minutes um, during some occasions. Because you can shift around the back of the car as Sarah. You know, you can tune into what Joel and her Uncle Tommy are talking about in front of the car. Or you can turn to the side and look at your surrounding and see what's going on. And I love that moment of when the neighbor's farmhouse is just up in flames. And she has this inner, you know, inner conversation to herself that she then kind of projects to the front seat of, we should stop. And we should try, we should try and save these people. Um but, you know, they, they make their way into town. And then the whole set piece of the build and the build and the build. And then you get into their town and just almost like, I think it's like in Resident Evil 3 where the gas station just kind of, you know, blows up. And then it's just all mayhem, 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 you know, and you have this scared child that you're playing as. Um, and then ultimately, you know, her and Joel are running to safety and you have this, you know, softer moments and you're like it's a fucking video game man it's not gonna go there it's not gonna go there and then it does and you know it's it's i i love listening to the troy baker who's the motion capture and voice actor for joel like i i could well one he's the suavest fucking man on earth so i could sit down and listen to him all day but hearing him speak about doing the recording for that and how it was one of the most difficult things he's ever had to do as an actor. Because what I think it was one of those ones they kept going back and back and back. And how just how draining it was. And I think they actually had to go back into the studio. That they didn't get it on one day. And they just got it on like one take the second time. Um, it's pure, you know, it's, you know, there's moments of cinema magic. Um, this was just a pure moment of video game magic for me. And I think, you know, uh, maybe separate to how Kev spoke about his, it sounded like a very, it was a very personal thing. And it's not necessarily something that he'd sit down with his friends or his, and be like, let's experience this moment together as Kev's fucking weeping in the corner. Of... I did experience it with him, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, th and, and this is, this is a moment that I look forward to sharing with people. And, and what's, you know, what's exciting, and it could be a controversial call, 
Um, but the fact that the creative team behind the upcoming TV series is one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is seeing if they can recapture some of that magic. And then to people who don't necessarily know the story or the, 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 the beats of the video game is how are people going to react to this moment and how are yeah. they going to actually pull it off, right? Do you, um, think do you think they'll play with expectations or do you think they'll just do no. straight, straight with what the game did? I think they're going straight. I think so. I think it's too good a moment to not use. Like, yeah. when you have gold, don't throw it away, you know? Yeah. I'd be I'd be looking forward to that first episode of The Last of Us show the way I was looking forward to, like, the Red Wedding when I was watching Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. And yeah. I knew what was coming and no one else did. Sitting down to watch that with four or five friends being like, all right. And they've, t- and they've tweeted about it. You know what I mean? Like, as in the actors and stuff have said, like, you're you're not ready for this kind yeah. of thing. And that, and I love that. Like, we, the, the, the four of us on this call, know what's coming. Yeah. And I'm even nervous for the world to experience the emotional impact yeah. uh, of that. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I can't wait. They should kill I, a bunch I, of kids. I, Just kill like five, <laughs> six, seven, eight kids in the first few minutes. Really like, you know, <laughs> really, really, really fuck up your expectations. I mean, that would definitely be up Liam Street or do they exclusively have to be teens, Liam? Yeah, T. T. Yeah, well, no, no, any, any child is fine. As long as they're innocent. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, I own. Um, like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't even consider the net one, but like, obviously, just one of the like easily one of the greatest gaming moments of all time. And I know it, it might be an easy way out uh, for this conversation, no, but no, you, no. you, you guys just, um, yeah, like you guys know how how I feel about my experience with The Last of Us, the the um, the IP in general, right? It's it means a lot to me, um, and it was one of those things again, right? It's like you finish it and then the title card comes up and it's followed by that oh, f- fucking incredible soundtrack. Yeah. Inc- and that's oh, really good. what kind of makes it. Um, but it's one of those things. It's like, I've shown my wife, I've shown my parents, I've shown everyone who isn't mm. into, um, yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, listeners, I'm married now. Um, that happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's one, it, it is one of those moments for me, just pure magical. I remember I was such a dumbass cause I had, big moment for me too because I, I i couldn't fucking tell the difference between the brunette character on the box and the blonde girl i was playing as and i was like yeah I I, this game was honestly saying a girl the same, yeah, exactly honestly the same man, yeah. i assume yeah. i assumed that she would just dye her hair at some point after the frog <laughs> yeah, yeah. something dies but not the hair you killed elliot page wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay this is exciting john isn't it only the two of us on the old random decision maker now. Oh, yeah. I'm not going. I'm not going. Let's no, go you have to. This is oh, not it. for okay, me. Okay. For the app, it's not an app. It's a website. I found it on Google.com. I'm I'm gonna guess Marcy's before he's up. Google.com. <laughs> John, it was me this time. It was me. Oh, you. Oh, it's no. me next. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. We can't change it now. I'm um, I'm talking about a game that I really like. I don't know. Is if it I Zelda? Could... Not Zelda. <laughs> I didn't go for Zelda. Are you excited? I know. I'm, I'm going for an indie game because I'm a wanker. Absolutely. Celeste. I'm talking about a game called um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Which I know is, this one. Yep. Yeah, which is... Fantastic. Now, can anyone, before I get into this, should have done the research, can anyone tell me the name of the director of that? He went on to do A Way Out and It Takes Two. No, Joseph but he's he, Joseph Farris, and he tweeted a picture of himself on the way to the Game Awards, the Jeff Keighley Wankfest. Uh, while time. we're while we're recording, are happening in about an hour. Actually, it's very exciting. I can't believe but, we uh, weren't invited. I know. Hey, look, listen, doesn't have a presence at the Game Awards, like Keighley next year. But uh, Brothers Tales Two Sons is really interesting. It came out in two, about ten years ago. I say about nine years ago. I say 
and uh, what, what what the premise is it's a kind of a fantasy adventure thing where you play as two brothers who need to go find magic water for their dad who is um dying and they need to get there like really quickly and the, the gimmick is that it's a co-op game but you play it by yourself so you don't mm-hmm. so, so it's not a co-op game but the idea is that you control the left brother you control the big brother excuse me with the left analog stick and you control <laughs> the little brother with the right analog stick now i'm talking about my experience of playing this on the xbox 360 okay so when I'm explaining it, it's going to be with an Xbox 360 controller in mind. But the really neat thing it does is that, you know, it's difficult to control two characters at one time. It's difficult to solve puzzles and do um, action scenes with two characters. So what ends up happening a lot is that you, you're, you're, your dominant hand, the left analog stick, where you usually control characters, is where you're going to be, your central focus is going to be. And the yeah, owns the wanking behind the scenes. <laughs> And the right analog stick. So you often find the little brother maybe trailing behind because your focus is on the big brother. And that's like really clever. Well, that's kind of um, writing characters through game mechanics already. That's like really clever. And as the game goes on over a couple hours, it kind of rewrites your brain to just associate the left hand with the big brother and the right hand with the small brother. The only inputs other than the analog sticks are the two triggers. So the left trigger is context sensitive for the big brother. So big brother is stronger and taller so he can pull big switches and he can move rocks and stuff like that the little brother can uh crawl through narrow spaces and stuff like that just all context sensitive with the only with the analog stick it's super simple like a really kind of basic kind of example that would be something like i was playing god of war 2018 recently enough and you know if you're if you're examining something with kratos you press triangle if you're if you're examining something that atreus the boy needs to translate for kratos it's the square button if if, if you need to put Atreus up on a ledge, it's the square button. If, if you're in a fight and you want Atreus to shoot arrow, it's a square button. Really simple stuff, but that trains you. In a couple of hours, you know square is the Atreus button. And then as what, what this game does is after a couple of hours playing, and only the game is only about five hours long, you are just, it really just a split your brain in half. And you get way better to controls. It becomes way more natural. You get way better control on these two characters. And most importantly, yeah, you just have left, big brother, right, small brother in your head. And as the game goes on, you go through it's like it's not it's not too long. You go through many adventures. You end up finding a hot girl. Uh, she turns out to be a spider monster, and <laughs> uh, she fuck and she fucking Bobby. kills the big brother. Oh, no, I did this. Twist. I'm sorry, but spoiler is yeah. Right. Actually, we should have put a yeah. Fuck it. You had time. I didn't say that. The next game I was going to play. But... Yeah, the decade. Yeah, yeah. No decade. All you had time. Now, one of the important things that I wanted to leave to the last is that. <laughs> throughout the game uh like i said big brother can like move rocks small brother can crawl through um gaps important thing is that the younger brother cannot swim uh, it actually opens with him like you know developing a fear of water as this whole thing and so yeah some of the puzzles are based around very kind of like um joel and ellie in last of us one where anytime you hit a body of water you have to solve a puzzle ellie can't swim so you have to solve a puzzle so it's either like you get the little brother to jump on the big brother's back or there might be more puzzles. But yeah, that's another kind of in- intrinsic thing about these two characters. Little brother can't swim. Big brother can. So when the big brother dies, the little brother gets the water by himself and it's a big dramatic emotional moment. He buries him and he has to leave behind his big brother and it's so very sad. And he's flying back on like a magic griffin that's there. I'm skipping a lot of details in the plot. <laughs> and you finally make it back to the island where you live and it's like a big rush moment. And it feels unnatural because now you're playing a game with a right analog stick only because 
you don't you only have a single character now you don't have the big brother so it already feels weird to just like be controlling a main character with the right analog stick you come on your way back to the house you come to a body of water and when i was playing it i was like cool this is obviously going to be you know this is the last hurdle he's going to courageously swim through it it's gonna be the moment he like learns to swim and overcome but when i ran into the water no he flails around he flails around so i was kind of making it he's like he won't go into, he won't go he won't get into the water he's scared until you press the left trigger and this is my favorite this is the moment i'm, de- I'm describing and what the game does there without telling you just because you it spent five hours like teaching you that left side is big brother right side is small brother you press the left trigger even though the big brother is not there anymore and the little brother steals himself and swims across the water you've like conjured up memories he's you you he's getting courage from the memory of his brother whatever and if this was in a novel it wouldn't be as elegant. Hmm. There'd be a sentence that would say something like, oh, he thought of his brother and he gained the courage he needed and he swam, swam with all his might. But as a video game, like, and in a way that only a video game can, the whole game has been building up to this moment as far as I'm concerned. It's been like, like the way I said, it's been teaching your brain of what represents what. And why I love it is that it's a character moment. It's a character beat. It's the emotional climax of the entire game. And it's done by pressing a button, one of the most like intrinsic things you'll ever do in a video game, a button press. And the single press of a button or a trigger is like loaded with so much like emotion and so much payoff. And I don't know when I've seen that done as well since. And I, 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 think, I don't think Brothers as a game is perfect. I think it's um, like it's kind of it's a bit I like tight, short indie games, but it, it could be a bit longer to have a little bit more kind of emotional resonance, but I'll always remember it for that moment. It kind of elevates the entire thing. I always thought it was such a fascinating um, piece of game design that uh, I don't hear talk about talked about much. I ho- It should be held up as kind of an example of a way to kind of connect the player to the narrative in a way that only a game can. And that's why that's, that's why that's the moment that I'm choosing. It's a fantastic choice. Um, yeah. It's always amazed me, Joseph Farris, that he like, with brothers came up with something so smart and sort of clued in and, and emotive. And then with um, it takes two made this thing that's basically just a celebration of video games in general. So that Great. fits like 40 genres into its runtime. And then in the middle made a way out. I didn't yeah. hate it, but it's like some of the, when it decides to be like a third-person shooter for the oh, yeah. final act, it's <laughs> oh, pretty okay, fucking dude. awful. Yeah. But in fairness, in the way that I think Brother is a Tale of Two Sons um, is a terrible title, no, is that <laughs> Brothers is like a pretty good game with some like really interesting design and some great moments. I thought A Way Out was a super fun co-op game. I played it, I played it with you, Gav. A super fun co-op game that's sort of like wannabe Michael Mann in a script. It's a very kind of cringy, yeah, but not yeah, very good. But when, like, to spoil that game also... When that game at the end, after after playing for four hours, I get uh, with each other. When it turns you against each other, that's resonant. That's like a big deal. Even though I didn't care about the actual narrative at all in that game, having characters. to like fight you at the end of the game was like, hey, we've been like a team this whole time. That worked. I think he's good at moments like that. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. that. Yeah. So um, yeah. Thanks for did someone do the TED talk joke already? I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can edit my one out and just use yours. <laughs> Excellent. Uh Jonathan. Um, is there like some kind of rhyme, kind of 
most beautiful last or last last is crass or any of that no that was it yeah that was the one yeah um what's your spoiler alert for mine anyway football manager no no uh (laughs) but my spoiler alert is there are no no dead kids uh, in my oh. game, um, which would be a nice change uh, for the podcast so far. That uh, is really weird great. that happened, isn't it? Uh, Did yeah, they make it? I, I, it's very <laughs> odd. Uh, I'm, I'm quite surprised. Um, but mine is a game that I don't think any of you have played. And I actually, when you first said this, Liam, I tried to, I genuinely, firstly, I did actually pick something from Skyrim and then went to The Witcher and I was like, you know, let me like figure out a game where no one's played it. Okay. And I can, it, it's just a, a very random moment. And I have one. Um, have any of you played? Maybe Kev has. Actually, I don't know if you played Kev. Uh, Kerbal Space Program. No, but I've heard mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, good. That's a good start. Um, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, uh, I actually was going to talk about it last week. Uh, we were kind of talking more about kind of uh, you know, I think at one point Lee we were talking about games that maybe weren't very well known or whatever, and then I checked out the Reddit and had like five million followers. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so it's it's not like the the indie uh, cult hit I thought it was. Um, but there's a, a specific moment in Kerbal that is very unique to me and it's very unique to me and Steph, um, uh, my partner. Uh, she has kind of gotten really into video games uh, over the last few years. Um, and like for a long time, she was kind of like a bit of a, a backseat driver or watcher. She would watch me play games and kind of make comments. It was really, really annoying, actually. I don't know if I can, if we like can. Like towards the game or you? Mostly me, Owen. Like, I was doing, I was doing this wrong or a fucking... Your posture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or I was, like, designing a character. You don't look like that. I was like, I'm not trying to design me. <laughs> anyway. Um, but this game produced a moment that is, it's a bit different from your one, your, your moments, so I think it'll kind of it'll wrap this up nicely. But yeah. a bit about uh, KSP, um, as, you know, people call it, because uh, it is a game that's... It's very hard to explain, so I did steal this from Wikipedia. So I can put on, put on my Wikipedia voice um, for about a minute, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, a space flight simulation video game developed by a tiny Mexican developer called Squad, who actually made the game, got sold, and that was really it, like a really, really tiny team. Um, in this game, uh, players direct a space program staffed and crewed by green humanoid aliens known as Kerbals. Um, basically, the game, you know, it, it's the whole idea of it is you're building a spacecraft, uh, you know, space flight, even airplanes, and you're trying to basically get to space. Um, it has a very realistic, uh, you know, physics engine. Um, it has actual science and maths within the game um, to actually make these things work. It's not a case of just, you know, uh, you know, strap an engine onto this, launch, off you go. Um, it's a really, really technical uh, and kind of difficult game to play. Um, it's become a huge hit over the last few years. It came, I think it came out in 2011, I think it was a beta, but then they actually didn't release the final product till 2015. So it was in beta for wow. years and years. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the team was tiny, right? So they were really, you know, a real passion project, but just didn't have the resources to get it out there. Um, but now if you go on YouTube, you'll find a bunch of like NASA engineers reacting to it. Uh, you know, Whoa. Elon Musk, I know, is not oh, the, gosh. Uh, yeah, I know everyone loves him right now, but uh, back when he wasn't as much of a dickhead uh, with SpaceX, um, a bunch of their engineers were playing it as well and were actually using it uh, to kind of test out different things that they were building as well. So it has this real uh, kind of semblance of reality in it, even though the graphics are terrible. Like it, it's, it's a very, very, uh, very much an indie looking game, but it's, it's just kind of looks like it's slapped together. But that's kind of the charm of it, right? Um, and so really the whole idea is you're these Kerbals, you have a space program. Um, the idea is that you're trying to leave your planet called Kerbin. 
um, uh, and basically explore different planets, the moon. I think Earth is technically out there um, uh, with these little Kerbal, uh, Kerbal astronauts, right? Um, I stumbled across this game uh, on YouTube, I think. Um, I think I can't remember. I was actually looking up. I was basically looking for like a new game to play. I don't know if you ever get in the funk where you look at a bunch of games you have and nothing's working. You're just like, I can't play that because you know. No, I b- before I, like I before I settled on Danganronpa three for my sins, <laughs> I had one of those an hour and about four games. Do you ever do that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. nothing's kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing's kind of hooking you or, or sucking you in. Um, and so I landed in this, watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and I was like, oh my god, this is so up my street. It was on a lovely sale on Steam, and so off I went. Um, but the whole thing about this game is it's just really fucking hard. Um, uh, really, really difficult. Um, if you know me, uh, which some people might know on this call does, um, but if you know me, um, I don't like things that are difficult. Uh, I have a tendency to do something that's difficult for a little while and go, well, I can't do that, so fuck that. That's uh, stupid, and I'll leave. Um, I will sometimes come back to those things, but initially when something catches me, that, and especially with video games, the older I get, the... Like Elden Ring is a perfect example. I remember uh, listening to you you guys talk about Elden Ring, how much you loved, how much you're enjoying it. Listen to, I listened to that podcast. Um, I put in 20 hours and I was like, what am I doing? This is so hard. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I've worked all day. Why like, is this computer making me sad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And why, why haven't <laughs> me and Steph talked in days? Like, it just it didn't make any sense. So, Kerbal kind of had that similar kind of effect to me originally. Um, but I don't know. Gamer frustration is a fascinating thing, isn't it? Because You'll play a game, it'll really frustrate you for whatever reason. It's like you know, gameplay, mechanics, it's too hard, etc. But you kind of, you just kind of have to come back to it. Uh, yeah. it, it kind mm-hmm. of has that hold and you're like, oh, fuck, I have to get over that fucking hump and get over that hill. Um, but yeah, developed by a small team of devs, right? So it has no tutorial, very steep learning curve, um, very much trial and error. Um, so like the first like 10 hours of me playing this game with Steph kind of hanging out on the couch watching me is me building really shitty rocket ships Um and that, like, once you hit launch, because you also control the rocket ship as well, just instantly exploding. And it's not like it, it doesn't take five minutes to build these. You're like, you're in a creator mode for maybe half an hour to an hour. You're painstakingly adding like the wings, the fins. You're like, oh shit, that fin's actually too heavy. Now it won't take off. Um, you're, you're getting like this kind of very random advice from literally someone who's the exact same as Clippy. I don't know if the devs knew this, but he's really, <laughs> really fucking annoying. Um, but he's kind of like, oh, it's too top heavy. And that's what he sounds like. It's a really good impression. Um, that's too top heavy. It's going to, it's going to crash right away. And you're like, oh, okay, that's whatever. Um, and so, you know, trial and error named the game. Uh, you know, at, at this point, I think I've been playing for maybe eight or nine hours over the course of a few days. It was at the start of COVID as well. So I don't know, like, it, start COVID you're just like I have the hours to sink into this I'm not going to go outside um, because someone will make me sick Um, so I just jump into it Um, but then I kind of had this moment where I was like do you know what I don't want to do this at my time anymore I'm I'm actually going to walk away Um, and I did Um, a lot of that was because of this lack of knowledge around maths and science I have Uh, Owen and Liam will know as past you know co-students i don't know <laughs> co-pupils uh of a of a math class um in brie kirby's class uh i just don't have that knowledge I'm not um, up that teacher on my podcast i, I mean it's our podcast i so sacrilegious to me in my just, and my soul just, just now you said that i just because you said that, i'm gonna tell the story about her now i can take a little i can take a little segue here um what? so brie kirby right a terrible person she might be dead <laughs> Might be dead, so apologies for that if anyone's listening. Um, uh, very, very smart, w- small woman. Uh, we did maths. Uh, she hated Liam passionately, 
Liam just wouldn't do his homework. Like, he refused, <laughs> refused to do it. Like, just bu- the balls on him. Uh, she'd be, like, she would ask everyone in the class, you'd lie, you'd fake, and then I'd be copying off people never before. And Liam was like, I, did, I didn't do it. What the fuck are we going to do? Um, and so, she, for, like, the, for the, whatever, two years we in her class, she was always, like, after Liam. One day, I was sitting beside Liam, and he just turns to me and he goes, you have an eyelash on your cheek. And he reached over and he picked it up and put it in his finger. And he went, make a wish. And then all I heard was, Liam, she had <laughs> she'd stopped the class and she'd been watching him the whole time. And he picked his eyelash off my teeth. Clearly my attention was where it needed to be, Marcy. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so the idea is, look, once you feel comfortable, you've actually built something, you bring it to the launch pad, right? You launch it, and hopefully you go into space. Uh, and, you know, your little small green men aren't blown to, blown to smithereens. Um, and, like, the idea is that once you get into space, you literally search for lots of different planets, the moon, Earth, you land, and then you kind of set up your own colony and all that kind of stuff. But I was stuck at, like, step one um, of getting off the planet. And obviously, they, they built the game like that to really make you feel like this is a huge journey you have to take. Um, it's not easy. We're not going to help you figure it out. But that will just kind of, you know, the, the, the reward will taste all the sweeter. Um, and so Steph is behind me. She's, like, saying things like, oh, try that engine. Why'd you try that one? That's not going to work. You know, fucking also like just making up shit. She's like, well, it's titanium. It's too heavy. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, that's, that's okay. Um, but very much kind of the two of us genuinely enjoying it and kind of, you know, guiding me, me to it. But that frustration came in again. I was kind of crossing the 10, 11, 12 hour mark. And I went, no, I, I have to step away from this for a bit. Uh, and I actually put it down. I checked today. I put it down for nine months. And I put it down for so long that we actually started the podcast in that time. Um, and I went back and checked. I think it's on episode two, I think two, where I actually meant, I think Liam was like, what are you playing? And I think I was like, oh, I have playing some fucking bullshit game <laughs> called Kerbal Space Program because I'm still in this really angry mode from it. Um, and then I ended up a few weeks later watching a movie. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it called Apollo 11. Um, not to be confused with the Tom Hanks movie. The documentary. Apollo 13. Yeah, the documentary. Yeah, it's exactly. brilliant. Um, it's Absolutely. really fantastic, right? So it's it's basically, you know, this kind of uh it's you know Apollo 11 is the you know the, the mission to to the moon uh where neil and the lads you know they, they landed and it all went well um but the documentary is basically all restored footage to make it look like it's brand new and it's really, really fascinating so it's almost like behind the scenes kind of a thing um but that gave me the itch right away and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking launch that goddamn thing into space and so i ended up you know now, you could call this research. Some people would call it cheating. Uh, I went to YouTube. I went to Google. And I was like, I'm, and I didn't copy anyone's design, but I was like, I need to figure out how I can actually do this and how we can we can get there. And so I came across a Reddit article that basically told me, you know, just start small. Start as small as you can to make this happen. So me and Steph, I say me and Steph, she was probably engrossed in Animal Crossing, I'd imagine, really. Um, but we built the smallest space shuttle um you can imagine i actually have a screenshot of it on steam which i found and i then found the largest rocket in the game and i stuck the very largest rocket to the smallest spaceship i could find and that was it i didn't do anything else no fins no parachute it was definitely a one-way mission like this dude was <laughs> again like i don't know why everyone everyone's game and this is like a suicide mission but it was like you're never coming back um but he was okay um his name was roger they randomly named him so his name was roger so i, I think about him quite regularly um and so that was the idea. So I went up to my computer room, Steph behind me. I spent so much time. I did a lot of design around it, as in, you know, putting like stickers to it, 
uh, we created, created a little bit of an emblem on it and just made it our own. And so when you're actually in the creator mode for this game, uh, it actually has some very, very annoying elevator music, um, similar to kind of like maybe uh, like The Sims. You know, you're like in the build mode for The Sims. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of to be there in the background, right? But it's, it is really starting to annoy me. And um, I had brought it out anyway to the launch pad, the spacecraft. Um, we were good to go. It gives you like a, a countdown of from 10. Um, and purposely this time, I hadn't gone through the trial and error forever. Me and Steph spent loads of time on this one. I said, this is it. This is going to be the one that actually actually does it so um that music kind of starts to fade out and it goes into like you know a countdown of 10 9 and you have to turn on your engines at 8 instantly exploded like just without without even without even anything else happening it just, it just evaporated into the sky and i was like oh okay that's we're still doing this then that's totally fine um went back to the drawing board again i got the the, the second biggest engine and then the second smallest, um, uh, like kind of space capsule. I was like, okay, now we're good. I, I originally had, I think, two uh, two guys in it. I was like, we're back down to one, and off we end. Back out to the, the launch pads, off we go. And so, go to the launch sequence. Nothing's exploded. We're at three. We're at two. We're at one. And you, you kind of like hit full throttle. You know, engines, whatever, go. Um, and it actually starts to take off. Right. Now, I'd gotten to this point before, um, for people listening that can't see this, but it was basically my previous uh, spacecrafts have gone up and done a complete right angle and then just crashed into the ground. Also, one thing that the game does, which I think is kind of terrible, it has like one of the main menus, <laughs> like a, a memorial wall. Of Jesus. All the, oh, yeah, it's really dark. <laughs> of all the Kerbals like who had died, and mine was like so long. It's like, you know, it was like <laughs> off the fucking screen. Um, but it starts launching into the air it's like actually going 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 getting higher and higher and higher and i genuinely at this point even through youtube or google hadn't seen what happened when you got into space i really had no idea and so we're hitting like 700 miles per hour at the g-forces because it even tells you this stuff it has a little camera that's on your kerbal in the in the cockpit i think it was obvious the man was disintegrating like it was it was (laughs) You know, it was we, we he, the most G's uh, person or thing has ever ever encountered, and I was like, oh, he's, well, he's done anyway. Um, but it's fine because you can control it. Um, and then it's still kind of playing you the 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 kind of the, the elevator music. It's just not really working for you. And then, and this is the moment I'm actually coming to. Not really all that. Um, as you actually start to kind of break into space, uh, the music fades out, and you get this kind of it's almost like operatic mix of like Blade Runner music as well. So it's kind of really kind of, uh, how would you call it, like techno kind of music, but that's like, it's very, very subtle and it kind of, kind of comes into it. And suddenly on the screen, uh, the sky, you know, starts to change color, gets darker, darker, darker. And then the engines, we, we ran out of fuel because I hadn't even fucking thought of that. Um, <laughs> uh, but we'd had enough momentum and enough speed that we just kind of floated into space. Beautiful bastard. Um, and it, honestly, man, like I, I, a couple of years ago, but me and Steph just kind of sat there and we're like, oh my God, I think I've actually done it. Like it actually, we're in space now and like it's, it, it, we're slowing down to like almost, you know, being standstill. The music is getting louder and louder. You, you kind of have now more of a control of the mouse. You can kind of look around. I can see four or five different planets, stars everywhere. Uh, Kerbin, the planet I've just left, is way below me. And it's like, oh, my God, that's literally where I actually came from. And it's all, like, within time. It's not a case of you, you launch and you're in space and then, you know, 
a minute or two, it takes you what maybe I think about 15 minutes in total for me to get into space. Um, and you're just kind of floating there. And I just like it, it has, it had been a long time. I maybe, maybe I was in a bit of rut with games. I don't know, but it'd been a long time where I really felt a sense of accomplishment. Um, a lot of times at games, and like this is, I'm going to sound like a, a, a get good asshole here as well now, but like it feels like games have sometimes been too easy. Ironic, says the man who put down Elden Ring. Um, but it, it does feel like sometimes you don't get that kind of real, I've worked really hard at this. I've tried to figure it out myself. I haven't had a tutorial to hold my hand, even though it might have been nice at times. Um, I figured it out myself and I've gotten literally to space, which I think is the you know, the best metaphor you can you can ever have. Um, and so like me and Steph, we just kind of sat there as we kind of slowly uh, drifted to space. And then she was like, how do we get back? And I was like, <laughs> we, can't, we can't, Steph. It was a one-way mission. Like uh, a dog oh, didn't get back either. Yeah. We all remember him. Yeah, I kind of choked off over here, Marcy. I'm going to be honest. It, like that, you, I, I felt like I was in that fucking spaceship with those kerbals. <laughs> It, I, yeah, and it, like, and the thing is, you know, then I I closed it down. And I deleted off Steam. But I'm never playing this again. <laughs> I, was most, I, was, I was just so furious with the game. Um, but honestly, it's it's just it's a game because I think sometimes it's so rare to come across a type of game that you really can't compare it to anything else. Like I've never played. I don't. Are there other uh, you know space flight uh, building creation games? I don't think there are. Um, and I don't really kind of you know scratch the surface with it. Um, but that moment, man, it just it stuck with me and like just kind of the black void of space. It was like the black void of COVID. Um, it just felt like, you know, I hadn't left the house in two months. And I was like, oh, I got to leave Kerbin though. That's something, I guess. Um, sorry. It's, yeah. Again, not, not an uplifting podcast at all. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my moment. And um, I really I'm, like that. Yeah. I really like that as a sentiment to like end the whole thing on, but that let me ruin it. You reminded me of a similar moment that I could have chosen. Me, Pan Noonan were like eight years old. We're playing Bishy Bashy Special. Great game. <laughs> There's a, which is a, a mini game, bonkers mini game game on the PS1. There's a game called Shake the Can to Outer Space. You've oh, got to yeah. mash all the buttons on the controller as much as you have. Me and Pa, shout out to Pa Nuna, by the way. Me and Pa must have played that thing a hundred times and then one time we we're playing it and Pa's can stuck into the moon. Like we, you could do that. Got, yeah, and we literally both looked at each other, and I should have chosen that over brothers. Now that I, now that I think about it, it was as as emotional a moment as your one, John. Yeah. I think he died as a teenager, didn't he, Pa? No. Awful, <laughs> oh, really. No, what have I unleashed? That that was a very very fucking good episode, and and four very good moments. Sorry, three very good moments because I don't want to talk about my own one in a kind of um, yeah, that that's counts. An arrogant way, you know. But um, everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed, like, I hope you could deal with four of us. If you can, sit down, old man. <laughs> Do you think any old, the future think any old men? <laughs> Do you think any old men listen to the podcast? Um, well, yes. They realize they're old men when they can't deal with all four of us. Oh, I see. At the moment, they oh, Wow, we really got petered out. I really petered that out, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> the end of it. Good remedy. Yeah. You were listening to Jonathan Marcy, Owen Reardon, Kevin O'Carroll, and me, Liam Sheehan. Thank you so much, everyone, and please join us next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.